sports teams, the owners are, are really engaging because they, they see the, you know, the benefit. And the thing that's been most interesting to me, Brian, is um, it, for them, as with us, it always starts with the end user. What's the great best experience for the end user? How do we make that experience better for the end user? Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Abbott, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolster, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. And we're also on Spotify now, so you can find us there. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years, and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. What a busy week. We've got a packed show for you. We're going to start with Mike Finley, the CEO of Boingo. We partner with Boingo on our Sports Business Radio Roadshow events where we take our show on the road in front of a studio audience. But, boy, from 5G to just overall connectivity, like when you go to a venue now, it is an expectation that you're able to connect Some venues are completely ticketless, so your ticket is on your phone. Sports gambling is becoming more prevalent. You want to get on your phone and place a bet. People have fantasy sports teams. You want to order food, merchandise. It is an absolute must that your venue is connected now, and Boingo is at the top of the list of companies that are helping venues get connected with Wi-Fi, cellular, and small cell networks at big venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, and Phillips Arena. So we're going to talk to Mike Finley, who also is a baseball Hall of Famer at Creighton. So he's got a good sports background, too. We'll talk to him on our show this week. Also, I've got a way in on the NBA and China. A lot of this news has broken since we did our last show. And I used to work in the NBA. I've been to China. I've got some really interesting perspectives on this and how I think it needs to be handled going forward. So we'll talk about that on our show this week. Fresh back from Disneyland, Brian Griggs, executive producer. Griggs, how was the happiest place on earth? It was happy and it was awesome. I love Disney. I mean, it's like you can't go wrong there. I, I have no complaints. It was a great week. Weather was awesome. It was fun just being down there with the family and uh, having some time to be with Mickey. I love it. All right. So three days you were at Disneyland. Did you get everything in? Is that enough time? Because usually we go for a day and you can't pack everything into a day and you're going on like five rides. Were the ride lines just ridiculous? Yeah, the ride lines were ridiculous. So yeah, we definitely had some things we skipped. We did some fast pass for a few of them, but uh, there's definitely some we didn't get to. Star Wars Land is legit. feels like you're walking in the movie set. I mean, it's awesome. And there's like full... Full props, like full starships and things everywhere. The Millennium like Falcon. Size, like full-size things, though. It feels like you're like walking by these huge... Yeah. Yeah, the Millennium Falcon and other uh But how long troopers. were those lines? Like six hours? Yeah, they were like... I think the longest one I saw was two hours and 20 minutes or something like that. Can you fast pass those? Yeah, some of them you can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because if you uh, can't fast pass those, I mean, who wants to wait in line all day? No. Yeah. That's why you have to go three days. You did the good job. It was good, of, yeah. That was a good amount of time. And uh yeah, it was great. Great trip. 
All right, how much did you spend on merch <laughs> and food? Was churros? it over or under? Yeah, over or under a thousand dollars on churros in yeah. three days? It was probably a little under a thousand, but close. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they no. get you with the food there. It's good though. Yeah. Everything there is good. I mean, well, and the other thing is their customer service. Like they actually have Disneyland University where they train other companies on. Yep. Their customer service practices. Everything's clean. You see people around there sweeping up, and yeah, you know, it really is a, a well-maintained uh, domain. You know, we were talking about connectivity too. Uh, I really use the app this time, the Disneyland app. Yeah, you can order mobile food. Every restaurant has a mobile pickup, so you just go oh, pick it up. That's nice. That was awesome. So, like, we were sitting for Fantasmic, and I just ordered food, went and got it, and it was wait, re- ready for me. So, I'm cool. so old. That I remember going to Disneyland when they had pay phones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, they, cell phones weren't invented yet. No, no. And there were pay phones there. And, and there was d- like a bank of pay phones. So if someone right. had to use the phone, you had to wait in line behind <laughs> someone. Fast who pass was, for a phone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you, you need fast pass for the bathroom, for the phone. And for the the food lines, oh, but if man. you can order food in advance and it have cool. it waiting, that's great. And the other thing I like about these apps now, which again we'll talk about in a moment with uh, Mike Finley, the CEO of Boingo, is you can track the uh, time waiting in line. So yep. you can go, okay, Pirates of the Caribbean, it's an hour and a half. I'm going to go there later, or I'm going to fast pass it. I'm going to go to this ride in the meantime. It used to be before these apps, you didn't know how long the rides are, and you walk all the way across the park, and you get there, and you're like, oh, that's a two-hour line. I would have never come this way if I had known the line yep. was that long. We, we used that a bunch, and uh, all the tickets were on your phone, so you can just scan your ticket, and it's there, and you don't have to worry about carrying a people, uh, paper ticket. It was cool. The app was really Really, uh, really useful. Okay, uh, I know that you're not on Twitter that much, but sometime this week, what's what are you? Be grizzled twenty two. Yeah, be grizzled twenty two. I need to see a picture of you and Mickey Mouse. <laughs> does does such a picture exist? It probably does. Yeah, there's a couple. I'll go through the phone. Okay, let time. our listeners see a little bit of Griggs outside the studio. <laughs> you and and Mickey. Yeah, I'll hanging, find it. Hanging I'll with Mickey. Okay. All right. So coming up next, we're going to talk to Mike Finley, CEO of Boingo. And then after that, I'm going to get into my thoughts on the NBA's mess with China right now. And it is a mess. And I think there's only one way out of it. And I'm going to give you my solution. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and university stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Blinder is the way high-performance teams connect their talent 
with the media and fans. It lets communications managers provide unprecedented access to their athletes, entertainers, and executives while respecting everyone's privacy and time. Blinder makes phone calls magic. Request a demo today at blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Joining me now on the Blinder guest line is Mike Finley, the CEO of Boingo. Find him on Twitter at Mike Finley. Find Boingo on Twitter at Boingo or online at Boingo.com. Prior to Mike's appointment as Boingo's CEO, he spent nearly nine years at Qualcomm, most recently as president of North America and Australia. Boingo helps the world stay connected to the people and the things they love. They build Wi-Fi, cellular, and small cell networks at big venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, Philips Arena, and the Hollywood Bowl. Then Boingo monetizes those networks with a number of unique products and services. Nearly 80% of consumers use their phones at a sporting event. Boingo is our partner on our Sports Business Radio Roadshow, and we've loved our partnership that has spanned the last several years. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing great. Before we get into your role with Boingo and, and talking about sports tech and connectivity and things like that. I want to start with your background because you've got an interesting background in sports. You're a baseball Hall of Famer. Tell us about that. <laughs> I've been very lucky. I uh, I grew up in Cincinnati, um, you know, a great sports town and uh, played everything I could, football, basketball, baseball at one of the bigger high schools there in town and uh, had a lot of great uh, people to learn from, and um, and so I was fortunate enough to uh, go to Creighton and play baseball. And I I actually um, I, I signed kind of late, and they they told me that um, you know if I worked really hard by the time I was a sophomore, I might might be able to uh, you know get some playing time. So I immediately figured I had to try to do everything I could to make sure I started as a freshman. So. As it turned out, uh, that's what I did. Started every game of my career and uh, played with a lot of great players and had just a you know great coaching and amazing school to attend. That's awesome. What position did you play? I played catcher all my life until uh, um, until basically college, and then I played first base and outfield. So I was uh, I was kind of a one tool player. I could hit, you know, and so they they stuck me where I wouldn't cause too many problems. I guess. It's always interesting to talk to people who had a successful career in sports and now have transitioned into leadership positions in corporate America. How have you applied what you learned in sports, whether it's teamwork or leadership, into executive leadership in the corporate world? Well, it's a great question. And, I, you know, again, I think I've just been very lucky. I, I had the benefit of having you know, great coaches and teachers in high school and college. And um, it's interesting. I, I go back and I, I think about some of the things they've said. And some of them are very simple. You know, like my high school baseball coach, when we're you know, practicing in the gym in the winter, you know, when it's snowing outside. And, you know, he'd call us all up after we, you know, finished running sprints. And he'd say, well, we can stop right now, which is what everybody else is doing. And we could run 10 more. Uh, and when the game gets late and the season gets late, we're going to be better prepared to win than they will be. So, of course, you know, everybody raises their hand and says, let's do 10 more. And, um, you know, it's stuff like that that eventually, um, you know, just sticks with you. And uh, I've always thought I use baseball a lot 
in the conversations I have and any of the speeches I give, because I do think it's a lot like business. Uh, you know, baseball is a team sport played by individuals, and at any given time, you're asked to do something. You know, from a team perspective, if it's the winning runs on second uh, or tying run in the last inning, you know, you got to move that guy over. And uh, if you're up the plate, and nobody's on, then you got to try to hit one out. So. You know, it's a it's an individual sport in a lot of ways, but uh, it's a great team sport, and I think business is a lot like that. You have your own career, you have what you want to try to accomplish, uh, but you also have uh, team goals and company goals, and I found those to be the most exciting and rewarding in my career. Yeah, I think sports is such a great foundation for everything you do later in life. So you're still very connected to sports. You're a board member with the Los Angeles Sports and Entertainment Commission. Gosh, so much going on in Los Angeles, including, you know, the Olympics coming up in, in several years. But, uh, you know, the return of the NFL, obviously the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Clippers, you've got UCLA and USC, just lots going on. I'm sure that job keeps you pretty busy as well. Uh, yeah, you know what? I've been on that board since 2003, and uh, it was formed by Mayor Reardon in the late 90s, you know, to help bring events. And uh, the president, CEO, Kathy Schlossman, has just done an amazing job. But it is. It's the next decade in Los Angeles is, uh, I, you know, probably I don't think you compare it to anything, you know, ever in the world. You know, we have Super Bowls. We have uh, NCAA basketball. You've mentioned the uh, Dodgers, of course. we got the Rams, the Chargers. we got... Uh, all baseball all-star game, uh, hopefully a World Cup, Olympics, and uh, but all, you know it's just a great board. It's a great group of people, and you know they're all again. It comes back to teamwork. It comes back to the same thing. Most of the people there have played sports or been engaged in competitive things, and you know we're all working together to try to make make sure all of this can come together for the city of Los Angeles. And uh, like I said, Kathy and that team's done a wonderful job. It's just amazing what's going to be coming to our to our town here in the next decade. Amazing. Yeah, it's fun to have a seat at that table, I'm sure. Let's go into Boingo a little bit. You joined Boingo as CEO earlier this year. What attracted you to this position and to the company? So um, I was on the board for uh, the last five years or so, and I was also at Qualcomm. And, um, you know, many people don't realize they know Qualcomm for, you know, cellular chips and cell phones making them work, but it's also the largest Wi-Fi uh, provider of Wi-Fi chips. So in that seat at Qualcomm and then on the board at uh, Boingo, you could really see the convergence of uh, many things coming together, but in a broad sense, kind of licensed and unlicensed spectrum, i.e. cellular and, and Wi-Fi. And um, the, the FCC was also bringing more spectrum to play. And at the end of the day, um, you know, people and users want great capability, great bandwidth. They want to get their information quick. And in order to do that, it's going to require all of this uh, technology to come together and converge. And Boingo was, I thought, in a, in a perfect position. We've had great leadership from Dave for many years, and um, I knew the management team. And, you know, it's right here in Southern California in my backyard, and I just thought, you know, this is a great opportunity at a great company with a great team in the right place at the right time. And as much as I loved uh, what I was doing at Qualcomm, I just felt it was you know, too good of an opportunity um, in, in a business I really am passionate about to go drive forward. And, uh, you know, here in six, seven months, it's exactly what it's been. No, that's great. Uh, I've just always been so interested in my conversations with you guys. Uh, Doug Lauder has been on this show before. You know, one of the things he's always said to me, and it's stuck in my mind, is that going to a venue now, a sports venue especially, 
and having connectivity is every bit as important as having bathrooms at the facility. I mean, it's just an expectation that people have now when you walk in. And I have a 14-year-old daughter, and you know, I try and monitor her phone use. But if we're going to Taylor Swift or we're going to a sporting event, she wants to get on and, and post some things from the event. So you know, I see the younger generation who, again, they're so connected to their devices. It's just an expectation that you walk into these venues and, and everyone's connected. Yeah, you know, a- anywhere you go, uh, for sure. And these venues are just such a great opportunity and place, you know, when you think of all the, the things that, that happen, a great event, a great game, a great concert, you do, you want to share it. And uh, it's been interesting for me because I, you know, prior to being a Qualcomm, I was on the carrier side, worked at Verizon and Nextel and Sprint sounds like I couldn't keep a job, but they all kind of kept merging together. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, if you go back in time, just going to a, a USC football game in the early two thousands, you know, it was it was really hard, uh, really anywhere in the country. Not not picking on that particular game, but it was hard to you know have your phone and you know cameras were just starting to come into play there and, and that kind of stuff. So, but people do expect it, and uh, that's one of the great things at Boringo. We're providing that connectivity to enable it to happen, and that's why I talked earlier about. Converging the technologies, it's not, if you just have Wi-Fi or you just have 4G or you just have 5G or you just have CBRS, you know, those are fine, but, but when you bring them all together, you get the, the great capabilities and, uh, you know, I, it's interesting. I, I was talking to somebody the other day at Clippers tickets and the Clippers tickets are all, you can only get them on your phone. Right. Which more and more uh, teams know, and are doing now. It, it's like exclusive to your phone. The Sacramento Kings are doing that. Uh, I think the Portland Trailblazers are going that way, and it's foreign to a lot of people, but you have to have connectivity to be able to execute that. Exactly right. And, and uh, you know, when you think about it, it wasn't that long ago, if you didn't have your paper tickets, you couldn't get in the game. Right. Uh, and, you know, then it kind of moved to, if you wanted to, you could use your phone or your device uh, to the point now where it's only on your device. And, you know, as you go forward, um, you know, technically it, it could be, you know, used through, Facial recognition, or uh, or a lot of different ways to uh, you know to get into uh, to events, and so and it's creating all types of you know great opportunities. You, you know, simple things like which bathroom has the shorter line, you know, which concession stand might have the uh, the shorter line for for some food, but it could also just mean uh, you know it could even get to the point where your food will show up at your seat because you know that's what happens in the fourth inning of the games you go to. You know, people know that and. Uh, it's changing uh, the way, and I think it's going to continue. And it's great for the sports teams and owners because it does bring people, uh, continue to bring them back to the stadium and into the live sporting events. And, you know, as we move forward into things like, uh, you know, gambling and uh, micro betting and the things like that, kind of fantasy, the way that's being played, being able to do that in arena, in stadium, it's really going to be super cool for, you know, uh, the, you know not just the kids, uh, but all everybody that's attending these games. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the sports gambling. I mean, obviously, we watch that closely here on this show. But, again, that's going to be an expectation. People either want to place a bet, they want to watch highlights of their fantasy team, or, like you said, they want to order food or merch and have it delivered to their seats. And these are all revenue streams that, frankly, 20 years ago didn't exist. So what you're doing is you're unlocking a lot of these revenue streams for these teams and and venues. Absolutely, and uh, you know it's it's really kind of a win-win-win. You know, the venue and the team gets a great uh, experience and gets to add, uh, you know, potentially to their sales and their volumes. The 
you know, the, the end user gets a phenomenal experience in being able to do what, what they want to do. And then it brings people, you know, in a lot of these stadiums and stuff or in the cities and things like that. You look at what, you know, like Petco Park and the Padres have done here in San Diego and, you know, Dodger Stadium and uh, look at LA Live and in Los Angeles where we're at here at Boingo. And it's just amazing, um, you know, uh, what people are going to be able to experience as we go forward. And the beauty of it, Brian, is um, the teams and the ownership uh, and the leagues really get it. You know, they're, they're really in front of technology and want to provide it. So it's uh, creating a great atmosphere for innovation and, and collaboration. Um, and you're seeing a lot of different worlds collide. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. It's not just technology of, you know, of a phone or a device. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's video, it's, um, you know, it's cloud, it's, uh, you know, all different types of entities, um, you know, it could be a, you know, a, a beer company. They want to engage and engage people, and it's uh, it's really fun to be a part of it, actually. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews, set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. 5G is all the buzz. How is Boingo helping venues prepare for the 5G era? Yeah, you know, it's hardly a day goes by you don't see something on 5G. But, uh, you know, it's great. So, our, you know, our model is we, we win and uh, acquire rights in, you know, primarily big indoor venues. They could be airports, transportation centers, sports arenas. Uh, we're also on all the military bases. Um, in the U.S. and some other parts of the world and getting into student and housing and, and multi, multi-family. But uh, 5G is just that next evolution, and it really is not going to be a standalone deal. It's going to bring together all this convergence I've talked about. So uh, all these locations that we have where we are already in and providing, you know, really great um, uh, converged coverage of Wi-Fi, and, you know, there's still 3G and 2G out there, believe it or not, and uh, 4G, CBRS is now coming into play. 5G will just bring that forward um, in, in even uh, more bandwidth and, and better ways. We've launched some markets already, some places already, big uh, announcement, uh, you know, at Soldier Field that, that we did, and, uh, and it's coming to airports and things. So what we have the ability to do is we have these locations already in place, and, uh, of course, we work with these entities every day. And uh, we're bringing 5G into those as fast as we can. We're working, obviously, with the operators. 
uh, who have a great desire to build this network out. And um, we're in a good spot because, you know, generally operators like to go where all where people are and, uh, you know, airports and transportation hubs and uh, sports stadiums and things like that are, you know, where people are at. So if you go back to 4G as an example, Brian, um, you know, everybody keeps asking what's all the use case is going to be. But, you know, Uber and Lyft didn't exist when 4G came out. That wow. wasn't who they are. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, when you think of what's going to come forward now with these capabilities and these great application, um, you know, engineers and inventors, uh, it's going to be exciting times here in the next five to ten years. What do you think some of those things are that could come forward? Well, you know, we're already seeing some, um, you know, just the ability to download a movie in, you know, a nanosecond before you board a plane. It's pretty, you know, if yeah. you're in that spot, it's pretty cool. I always forget to do it. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's going to be a, a piece. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, facial recognition um, uh, for security and ticketing. We've talked about ticketing. Um, you know, the, the sports and micro betting, I, you know, is, uh, you know, the next time the Lakers come down the floor is going to be a three or a two. Will LeBron shoot? You know, will Anthony Davis shoot? Will it be a foul? Will it be a turnover? You know, those types of things are going to require, you know, not low latency, no latency. Um, you know, being able to, uh, you know, some of the, the health and, and stuff of athletes, um, you know, being able to monitor, uh, you know, there a lot of teams are using it now in various ways, but technology is really going to enable that to, to you know, uh, make sure that they're at peak ability and peak capability for, for performance. Um, you know, augmented reality is going to allow fans to, you know, uh, view their seats before, you know, going to a stadium. You can see it today, but, you know, you can really see it in augmented reality. It's a real, real-life kind of situation. Uh, we're even at the point where some, some of these stadiums are, um, uh, you know, have apps where it allows fans to adjust the temperature in their, in their seat uh, uh, to find, you know, make sure they're in the right spot. So, wow. Uh, there's a lot that's coming, and... Uh, you know, you, you, like in the business I've been in, it's always stuff's always coming. You know, there's uh, you know autonomous driving, and you know healthcare has been a big part. There's a lot of things 5G will enable for that. But a lot of these technologies are now very close, and uh, the capabilities are going to be enabled. And you know, again, talking about LA and all the great events that are coming, that's what you're going to see. You know, certainly by the time the Olympics arrive in 28, uh, it's going to be a completely different um, experience. I think for for users and uh, and hopefully so with the traffic as well. If we should fix that in LA as well, that'd be good. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I went to school at Loyola Marymount and uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, I know the traffic firsthand from living there for a few years. Uh, last year, I had the chance to go to Soldier Field, and I know that's one of your customers and. It was really remarkable for me to go in there and experience that because it's such an old venue and the work that Boingo did to make that a connected venue and bring it into the modern era, it, it really blew me away. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing that uh, that Boingo's doing that um, kind of cuts through. I mean, if you think uh, even some of the, 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 you know, the venues that have been around for 100 years and things like that, we can bring the life um, into the modern era simply by using technology. And um, like I said, the sports teams, the owners um, are, are really engaging because they, they see, the, you know, the benefit. And the thing that's been most interesting to me, Brian, is um, it, for them, as with us, it always starts with the end user. They're all, you know, what's the great 
best experience for the end user? How do we make that experience better for the end user? And, uh, you know, with Boingo and the way that we've, you know, uh, set up our company and, and our approach is, you know, we're a neutral network. We converge all the technologies. It doesn't matter what carrier you're with or what device you bring. You can have a great experience. And you take a venue like a Soldier Field that's been around a long time, and, um, you know, you can walk in there, and it's as if it was just uh, opened yesterday. And that's that's one of the great things that Boingo is doing to enable these, you know, great opportunities coming forward. So coming up in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be doing a keynote at the Mobile World Congress show in Los Angeles. I've attended that with you guys before. I think it was a couple of years ago in uh, San Francisco. Tell me a little bit about that, and what are you going to be uh, saying at, at that opportunity? Yeah, so that's going to be fantastic. Another, um, you know, great opportunity. We've got the world basically coming into Los Angeles uh, on the uh, on the, the mobile technology side. Uh, I'll be doing a keynote on Wednesday morning and uh, be talking a little bit about Boingo and you know, the the neutral, uh, you know, host and approach and convergence that we have. But I also have Kathy Schlossman, who's uh, the president and CEO of Daily Sports Entertainment Commission, and we're going to talk for. 15 minutes or so about, um, you know, all the opportunities that are coming to Los Angeles and and probably more importantly, more interesting is how they come to be and what changes she's seen over the last 20 years and bringing that together. So it's a great opportunity to highlight all the great things that Boingo is doing, but also bring it down to very specific uh, capabilities that are that are coming to, in this particular case, the Los Angeles market. Um, there's another uh, presentation I'm doing that we're going to talk about CBRS, which is new spectrum that uh, the FCC has been great about bringing forth um, and talk about, you know, some of the things that that's going to enable as part of this convergence. So uh, three days of a lot of technology and uh, a lot of great conversation about uh, some of the great things Boingo is doing is going to happen next week in L.A. Before I let you go, I'm sure as part of your job, you're out seeing a lot of live sport events and, and, you know, just seeing how things work and meeting people. What are some of the events and, and venues that you've most enjoyed? Oh, wow. Great question. Uh, well, I, it, it's always going to a Creighton game, so I have to start with that. Right? <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, we we get seventeen, eighteen thousand 18,000 people in, uh, in Omaha watching a basketball game. It's a great experience. Um, you know, it's really, uh, if, if you take away the specific, you know, particular games and events, it's really, uh, I go now uh, somewhat as a spectator, but also as a Know, somebody in the business and when you when you get there and you start to see the capabilities that, that come in like an example on the clippers uh, their whole approach to ticketing and making it easier for the fans to get into their games their app is is uh, unbelievably simple to use and um, and so just seeing the the sports venues uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to be at the the football game the the Packers and Bears but the experiences I've heard from that from the end users has just been fantastic and so I kind of look at it two ways. I, I obviously love sports. I love going to games. Um, and, uh, you know, my old coach is the assistant GM of the Yankees. So, you know, without the Dodgers there now, certainly pulling for the Yankees here. And, uh, you know, going to some of the great old venues and seeing how technology is uh, transforming them into the modern era is really kind of a cool thing. And, you know, it's uh, I, I enjoy, you know, doing that. Yeah, we have the same challenge 
we can't just go to a sporting event and watch it and enjoy it. Our business mind is always working on what could be done better or how this could be done differently. I have that same challenge instead of just focusing on the game. Hey, before I before I let you go, uh, I just wanted to thank you and Boingo so much for being our partner on Sports Business Radio and our road show specifically. I mean, gosh, this year we sat down with Jeannie Buss in Los Angeles. We sat down with Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, David Stern, former NBA commissioner, just some really great guests. And, you know, for me personally, I love doing in-person interviews. It's just a different dynamic. Uh, we have college students and VIPs that are able to attend these. So it's really been great for us, and it would be possible without Boingo. So I just wanted to thank you. Well, look, we appreciate what you're doing uh, and uh, love your approach. And, uh, you know, it's been great, and we're looking forward to continuing to do that and appreciate the time you spent today. Mike Finley, the CEO of Boingo. Find him on Twitter at Mike Finley. You can find Boingo on Twitter at Boingo or online at Boingo.com. Mike, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, I look forward to meeting you in person before too long. Sounds great, Brian. Thanks for all you're doing. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head over to MizzenInMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenInMaine.com, code SBR. I can tell you one thing. I'll be wearing Mizzen in Maine dress shirts at all future sports business radio road shows and sports PR summit events. I can't wait. All right. I want to weigh in on the NBA in China. It has become a huge topic of conversation, one of the biggest sports business stories of the year. And it's really uh, changed some perspectives about the NBA. Let me lay the foundation for this conversation. First of all, I spent two weeks in China with Yao Ming, Steve Nash, Carmelo Anthony, Baron Davis, and Kobe Bryant in 2007. So I've seen China with my own two eyes. I've witnessed firsthand the difference between a democratic government and a communist government. Uh, and guess who else was on that trip? I get on the bus one day, Yao Ming, Steve Nash, all these people on the bus. Guess who else is on the bus? It's a non-athlete. The only other non-athlete on the bus. So I go up to the person, I shake hands with the person, hey, Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio. Person introduces himself. First week on the job, it's Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets. So I met Daryl Morey in 2007 on this trip in China. He was there to support Yao Ming, who was still active and playing for the Houston Rockets. And again, Steve Nash, they were doing a charity game out there. They raised a lot of money. But I was thinking about that a lot this past week is I saw Daryl Morey in China supporting Yao Ming. And Yao Ming is is a god over in China. I mean, he is really revered over there. And uh, a big part of the NBA's growth in China is due to Yao Ming playing for the Houston Rockets. So you fast forward 
to last week. Actually, about 10 days ago. And there's the tweet from Daryl Morey. And it's promoting freedom in Hong Kong. And again, you fast forward from 2007 on the bus with Daryl Morey to that. And I I had so many thoughts running through my mind because I know Daryl Morey has... Uh, he, he likes the people of China. He likes the fact that they are basketball fans. And I don't think he was trying to do anything malicious by sending that tweet. And we'll get to that in a minute. The other thing I want to mention is I worked for the NBA's Portland Trailblazers for nearly seven years. I'm very familiar with the NBA, probably more so than any other sports league. So when I say what I'm about to say, I do it with that lens. Also, when I was in China, just to give you an example of a communist country and how it works, I Googled Tiananmen Square when I was in my hotel room from my laptop. Guess what? It doesn't show up. So the people in China only get the information that the communist government wants them to have. There's a whole generation of people in China who don't even know that the massacre at Tiananmen Square happened. Okay, So you're dealing with a different type of country, government, and information. And by the way, the Chinese corporations, they're always going to kowtow to the government because if they don't, there are severe consequences for them. Either we're not going to do business with you anymore, or it could be worse than that. So you don't mess around with a communist government if you're in China. So if the government says, hey, don't do business with the NBA anymore, and 25 sponsors overnight go away, that's because the government told those businesses, you are not allowed to do business with the NBA anymore. Okay, China has 1.6 billion people, roughly six times the size of the United States. Tons of people. Everyone around the world, like the NBA, wants to do business in China because of their massive potential economy. First of all, Huge population. Second of all, when I went over there, one of my takeaways was, wow, this is kind of America circa 1970. It's not fully developed. There's a lot of cranes in the air. There's a lot of development going on, but they haven't even scratched the surface of their business potential. The NBA has done a better job than any league out there in going global. And a lot of their globalization is based in China. They have a relationship with Tencent, which is the Chinese tech giant that shows their games. They have an exclusive deal with the NBA. Billions of people watch NBA basketball over there. You go to uh, Beijing and you see NBA stores and you see Nike stores and Adidas stores. And there's a lot of Americanization as far as business in China. And again, I've seen this with my own two eyes. Okay. Basketball is big. The people love basketball. Here's the problem. This is not a sustainable relationship. It's flawed at its core. If it continues, one side is going to be making heavy concessions for the other. Neither side wants that. The NBA's values are compromised by doing business with a country that doesn't allow free speech. Free speech is part of the NBA's DNA. LeBron James, Adam Silver, so many people have spoken out about social injustices. Steve Nash. I mean, the list goes on and on. 
And this has been part of the NBA's DNA. How are you going to do business with China who only wants you to say what they want you to say? Or they want to censor you. And we're in the United States. We're a democratic nation. And the NBA in particular is used to being able to speak out freely when they've decided to speak out on an issue. How the NBA didn't know this was going to happen at some point is beyond me because your values are polar opposite, right? China, communist nation, people fall into line under the dictatorship. United States, democracy, and again, NBA specifically is used to allowing its coaches and players, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, others, to speak freely on issues of importance in their mind. Okay? So, at the core, you've got polar opposites. And either the NBA is going to shut up and kowtow to China in order to maintain the billions of dollars of revenue that China brings them in business, or they're going to have to say, you know what? We can't do business with someone who curtails our free speech and basically dictates the rules of the game. And I've interviewed Adam Silver. I know him a little bit. He is not someone who wants to be muzzled. He doesn't want his players or coaches to be muzzled. I'm sure this has caused him a lot of grief and anguish. But at the end of the day... You knew you were doing business with a company like this. I don't care if you're Apple, Intel, Facebook, whoever you are. If you're doing business with someone who has polar opposite values of what you have, this is what's going to happen eventually. The rubber is going to meet the road. And the Daryl Morey tweet was the spark that ignited the fire, right? This had been bubbling for a long time. And frankly, the fact that the NBA was caught so off guard by this is stunning to me. Because you're doing business with a communist country. You're playing games over there. Didn't you know when you have people who speak freely, like Pop, like Steve Kerr, like Steph Curry, like LeBron James, that this had the potential to bubble up to this? And they weren't ready for it. And it took... Three statements from Adam Silver before they finally kind of got it right, but it was still a little bit uncomfortable and awkward. And this is what I've always said about business. You have to be authentic to who you are and to your DNA. And again, I don't care if you're the NBA, the NFL, Facebook, Apple, Intel, Nike, Adidas, whoever. You have to be true to your DNA. And the NBA would not be true to their DNA if they continue to do business with China. Now, here's the problem with that, because people will go, all right, Berger, it's not your money, and it's not. You're right. I'm not the one giving up billions of dollars. A conservative estimate is the NBA brings in $500 million a year annually from deals with China, whether that's Tencent the digital giant, whether it's merchandise, revenues, there's tons of basketball fans in China. That $500 million doesn't even factor in 
the Nike and Adidas shoes that are sold, the money that James Harden and LeBron James and others make from going, Steph Curry, make from going to China. So I got the whole, there's a ton at stake. But it goes back to what I said, the core issue. The NBA is not being true to its DNA and its authenticity by doing business with a country that has polar opposite values that you do. Right. I mean, freedom in the United States, a lot of us take it for granted, but it's part of our way of life. If you don't have freedom in a communist country, you only know what the the media wants you to know. The government wants you to know you have to fall into line a certain way. It's two different worlds. It's two different outlooks. It's not sustainable. So you can pretend, well, we're going to keep taking the money and we're going to hope this doesn't bubble up again. But I'm telling you, it's going to bubble up again. So Daryl Morey's tweet, he could have handled it differently, right? I mean, I have a company called Everything is on the Record. We always talk about Twitter as a loaded gun. And you got to be careful because if it goes off, it can cause all kinds of fury. And this tweet caused a lot of fury. And I don't know that Daryl Morey completely thought through the impact of his tweet on his team, on his owner, on the NBA, on the players, on the shoe companies. I don't know that he connected all of those dots. But you know what? His heart was in the right place. He saw people who were part of social injustice in Hong Kong. He wanted freedom for them, and he posted this. But I don't know that he clearly thought through the implications of that tweet. Could he have gone to his owner, Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets? Could he have gone to Adam Silver and said, you know what, I'm really concerned about our relationship with China, playing games there. Here's my thoughts and had that conversation privately. Did he need to put it out on Twitter? That's the question, right? So for him, that's the question. If you're the NBA, you can't get rid of Daryl Morey now because you've said, hey, free speech is fine in our league. So if you're going to can him for free speech, how do you not can people in the future if they have free speech? You can't do that. But at the same time, China doesn't want to do business with the NBA if Daryl Morey's involved. And the Houston Rockets games have already been removed from TV there, and it's like the Rockets don't even exist. And the two games that just took place there, they took all the sponsor logos off the floor. They took all the branding off the buildings. And they basically said, play this game as if there's no sponsors attached to it. And then the NBA said, you know what? We're not going to have our players speak because they're not well enough informed on all of the issues to speak. Which brings me to this. Last night, the one guy in the NBA that everyone wanted to hear from, the one player everyone wanted to hear from, was Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James. LeBron James of the don't tell me to shut up and dribble. Let me quote MLK on Twitter and social media. Let me address social injustices. Let me use my production company, Uninterrupted, to make documentaries about social injustices. And a lot of people applaud LeBron for taking a stance and saying, you know what? He's more than just a basketball player. So when LeBron said this last night, it really was against everything that he said previously regarding social injustices. Yeah, LeBron, how would you describe the trip and all the political noise that you and your teammates just went through? Um, 
I think when we talk about the political side, um, I think it's a very delicate situation, very sensitive situation. And, um, and for me personally, I think if, if any of you guys know me or always cover me, um, you guys know when I speak about something, I speak about something I'm very knowledgeable about, something that hits home for me, something I'm very passionate about. And um, I felt like with this particular situation, it was something that not only was I, um, you know, not informed enough about, um, I just felt like it was something that not only myself and my teammates or our organization um, had enough information to even talk about it at, at that point in time, and, and we still feel the same way. Uh, how do you think the league handled the situation? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not here to judge um, how the league handled the situation. Um, you know, I just think that, you know, when you're misinformed or you're not educated about something, um, and, and I'm just talking about, um, you know, the tweet itself, you know, you never know the ramifications that can happen. Um, and, um, you know, we all see what that did. Um, not only did um, for our league, um, but for all of us in America, uh, for people um, in China as well. And sometimes you have to think through uh, things that you say that may cause harm, not only for yourself, but for, for, for the majority of people. And um, I think that's just a prime example of that. Um, I'll give you a one-on-one -on -one exclusive because you're my guy. <laughs> Brian, there was a report that you guys met with Adam while you were in China. Um, do you feel like he was receptive to, to what you guys had to say when you guys met? Um, I think Adam has always been receptive about what the players and the, and the coaches and you know the owners or whoever kind of have comments about our league. Um, and at that particular time, I thought he was very receptive as well. Um, you know, it's a tough situation for Adam as well, um, having to put out a, a, such a fire that he didn't create. Um, that he didn't start. Um, so, you know, I, I believe, you know, uh, it was great for him to come, you know, from Tokyo to come to uh, to Shanghai and for him to have a meeting with us and for us to have our opinions and, and what we felt was best uh, going forward, uh, not only for uh, for Adam and the league, but for uh, all of us. Would you go back to the league, ask the Lakers to go back? Do you want to go back? Um, I mean, I've always, you know, for me personally, like I said, um, I've always been welcome open arms. Um, I, I've been to China probably over 15 to 20 times. And the main reason I've always wanted to go back to China is because of the game of basketball. The game of basketball has brought people together um, in, so different, in so many different facets, so many different countries, different people um, that you would never, ever expect. And, and that's always been my goal, um, going over to China to be able to have the game that the game that we all cover, this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day, to be able to bring people together in such the most positive way. Um, and, and that's where we were, were there as well this past trip. Um, you know, myself and the Lakers along with Brooklyn, we were there to continue to promote the game of basketball because the game of basketball is all over the world, not only in China, but in India and Africa and, and America and so on and so on. And, and that's what I will continue to do because this sport has done so much for me. What was the word about like on Thursday heads over to the arena in Shanghai? Uh, for me and my teammates, we were just hoping that, that the game would, would continue to go. Um, you know, so many different events have been uh, canceled throughout our time over there. Um, and all we kept saying is, I mean, we, we, we flew all these miles to come over to China. We would love to play the game of basketball in front of from the fans. And, and that was our whole mind, to be able to prepare ourselves mentally. Coach kept harping on, okay, let's prepare ourselves. We had practice the day before that. Let's prepare ourselves as we were playing. And we were just hoping that the game wouldn't get canceled because we wanted to play. There was this thought that there was an extra team bonding that happened because of all this distractions. Is that accurate? Um, I think the, the, the great thing about it is that we, we did get an opportunity to be together a lot more. Um, a lot of individual um, appearances got canceled. Um, so it kept us even closer.
um, and allow guys not to be able to go on their own. And obviously, we have a lot of people have some business to take care of while they were over there too. Business ain't basketball, but with the cancellation of so many different events and, and so many different appearances that allowed us to be together, all of us, just our whole team. Obviously, we're missing one of our brothers, Boogie Cousins, being here in L.A., but he's not allowed to travel just yet. But it allowed all of us to be able to just come together even more on the um, in the meal room at the hotel, you know, on a couple bus rides that we had to go into practice into the games and also on the plane rides from, uh, from America to Shanghai, Shanghai to Shenzhen and back to America. So, um, you know, it was great. How worried are you about mutual implications with you, the players, the league. I mean, that's not for me, that's not for me to understand or for me to uh, worry about. I think we have a hierarchy. Uh, we have a higher, uh, the higher who will, who will figure that out. I think, um, uh, but at the end of the day, only time will tell. None of us know. None of us. We, we're all in the unknown, and uh, and we will see what happens as the days go on. I feel great. Part of, the, <laughs> part of the reporting today was that players in the meeting with Adam were wondering if Daryl would be reprimanded or punished because if a player had said something that cost the league money, you thought, not you personally maybe, but the players thought that they would be punished. Do you think that Daryl should have been reprimanded for that? Um, I think that's another um, situation that, that should stay behind closed doors. Um, we, we are to see what, what, what happens with um, any one of our players or, or with an owner or with a, a GM um, at a later date. Um, I think when we all um, sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say, um, and we, always talk, we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen. Um, when you're not thinking about others and only on you only thinking about yourself, so um, I don't believe um, I don't want to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on on, on the situation at hand, and um, and he spoke, and the, the, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we what we tweet and we say. And what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that, too. Last question, please. That's just my belief. I don't know. That's my belief. Um, um, that's all I can say. I, I believe he was either misinformed or not really educated on the situation. Um, and if he was, um, then, then so be it. Um, but I have no idea, but that's just my belief. Um, because just... When you um, when you say things or do things, um, if you're doing it, uh, and you know the people that can be affected by it, um, and and the, the families and the individuals and everyone that can be affected by it, sometimes things can be um, um, can be changed as well. And also sometimes uh, social media is not always the, the proper way to go about things as well. Um, so, um, but that's just my belief. So LeBron James has been one of the most active athletes in the U.S. when it comes to speaking out on social issues. Again, he's quoted MLK in social media posts. He didn't take kindly to Laura Ingram telling him to shut up and dribble. But with his remarks about Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey this week, that's essentially what he told Morey regarding his tweet speaking out about freedom for the people of Hong Kong. LeBron was clearly protecting his business interests in China where he visits every summer and sells a lot of Nike shoes and gear. His remarks, in my opinion, were hypocritical and frankly insensitive towards the people of Hong Kong and to Daryl Morey for wanting the same freedom to express his opinion 
the LeBron wants on his HBO show, The Shop, and his other platforms. I was disappointed in LeBron's comments. I had tweeted out a week ago when it looked like he was going to address this in China. I said, this is LeBron's Muhammad Ali moment. This is his chance to really take a stand on an important issue. But when it came down to it, it seems like the issues in the U.S. are important to him, but the issues in China, because those impact his checkbook far greater than the United States because of 1.6 billion people, because of all the people buying his Nike gear, because of all of the media deals that could be had, because of all the people that could watch Space Jam 2. He didn't want to damage those. And I was disappointed by his reaction. I'll end with this. Steph Curry talked to Nick Friedle, a reporter, and saying, what's the best way for the league to come through the China situation? And part of what he said was staying true to who we are as a league is important. And it goes back to what I said. It is not in the NBA's DNA to cave to anyone and to tell people you can't speak freely on issues of importance. So, again, I know the salary cap will probably go down. I know the BRI for the players, basketball-related income, would go down. I know there'd be less Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour shoes sold. And I know that the deal with Tencent worth $1.5 billion probably goes away. So you're going to have a, a lower salary cap. You're going to sell less shoes. You're going to have less eyeballs from the biggest country on earth. And it's going to cost you billions of dollars. But if you fast forward 10 or 15 years, A, can you look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I stayed true to my DNA. I didn't cave to a country that treats its people the way China does. Polar opposite values of the ones we have. And you know what? We went out and found other deals to replace that money because the NBA is a juggernaut. When you go out and sign a streaming deal with someone, Facebook or Amazon or whoever it is, and you put that next to your broadcast deal, it's going to be plenty of money. They can go find money that either largely replaces it or replaces all of it. And you don't have the walking on eggshells of dealing with China because that's what this is going to be going forward. Every single time a player, a coach, an executive is asked about China, they're going to have to walk on eggshells. They're going to look weak. There are people, U.S. Senate, U.S. Congress, they've already written letters to Adam Silver. How can you do business with China? How can you kowtow to China? And look, it's not just the NBA that's kowtowed to China in this instance. Lots of other businesses, lots of other countries have kowtowed to China because of the fact that they have 1.6 billion people and they have a huge economy. So everyone sees lots of dollar signs when they do business with China. It makes sense. But for the fabric of your DNA to be able to look yourself in the mirror to avoid these crises in the future, you can't do business with China the way you've done business with them so far. And look, they're a communist country. I don't see them coming around. I don't see them going, oh, our citizens love NBA basketball so much that we're going to change our ways. We'll put the Houston Rockets back on. 
we'll let people in the NBA talk about our government and freedom and issues of social injustice, and, and there will be no backlash. It is their way or the highway. China has been around a lot longer than the United States, and that was the other thing that struck me when I was there. You see the Great Wall. You see all these buildings and palaces that have been there for so much longer than the United States has even been in existence, 1776. And their history is deep and it's rich, and the people there are very nice people. But it's a controlled nation, and it's a communist regime. They only hear what the government wants them to hear through the media. Once again, Google Tiananmen Square. When you're in China, it doesn't come up. They don't even know what happened. And I just don't see how the NBA can continue to do business, or frankly, any of the other sports leagues with China, other than maybe play an exhibition game there or... I just I think everything is going to be dictated by China because that's what they're used to. So if that's what you want going forward and you want to sell your soul and you want to fall in line to China like their people have had to, like their businesses have had to, then be ready for that. But I don't think that's true to the NBA. I don't think it's true to Adam Silver. I don't think it's true to the owners of the teams. I don't think it's true to the players or the coaches. So you're going, you're compromising your authenticity, and your DNA in the sake of business. I don't care what business you're in. I don't think that's a good move. All right. That's my rant on the NBA and China. Again, I've been to China. I worked in the NBA. I think I have a pretty informed viewpoint on this, but if you want to at me on Twitter at SB Radio. I'm happy to hear your thoughts as well. There's a lot of different thoughts on this, but from a business standpoint, I don't think it's a sustainable relationship. I think it's flawed at its core. Guests appearing on Sports Business Radio will receive a dress shirt from Mizzen and Maine. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. No more dry cleaning and no wrinkles. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. It's the most comfortable dress shirt I've ever worn. Head on over to MizzenMain.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenAndMain.com, code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our sports business radio roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. And we want to remind you all the great places you can get the sports business radio podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcast, you can find sports business radio. So download us for on-demand listening. Subscribe, rate, and review us as well. We always appreciate the reviews. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. I know many of our Sports Business Radio listeners and my friends with pro sports teams fly by private or charter plane. So let me offer you this scattering report that will save you time and money. When flying into or out of New York City, there can often be long delays. That's why you want to fly into the brand new, pristine Republic Jet Center, located in Farmingdale, New York. That's just 30 minutes outside of New York City, making it the airport with the fastest time into Manhattan. 
Don't get caught up in delays flying into Teterboro or White Plains. Choose Republic Jet Center and you'll experience all the reasons why you chose to fly privately. Republic Jet Center is a full-service, signature-select FBO that delivers an unparalleled level of customer service and safety to the private and charter jet industry. Enjoy Republic Jet Center's luxurious lobby and contemporary lounge in their new 100,000-square-foot facility. The concierge staff will gladly assist you with making any reservations you need while you're in New York City, from ground transportation arrangements, dining reservations, or even helping you with chartering a helicopter flight to Manhattan or the Hamptons. That'd be nice. Their comprehensive white glove FBO service and premier affiliations are compelling reasons why aircraft owners and operators benefit from selecting Republic Jet Center. Whenever I fly private in or out of New York City for the Sports PR Summit or the Sports Business Radio Roadshow, I now have a terrific new option, Republic Jet Center. For more information, visit RepublicJetCenter.com or call them at 631-881-9520. Follow them on Twitter at Republic Jet Center, and that's C-T-R for center, or on Instagram at Republic Jet Center. Republic Jet Center, the official private airport partner of Sports Business Radio and the Sports PR Summit.